Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord on the first day of the new year. Amen. Amen. It was also good to be in the house of the Lord last Sunday. Amen. Every day that God give us is a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Now I'm moving all this stuff out the way because I don't know what the Holy Ghost is going to do this morning. Is that all right? It's good to have Mr. David back in the, in the saddle. God knows exactly what he's doing. Brother Amelia, to God be the glory that you are here alive and well. Amen. And I was sitting there and just watching the glory of God upon his life. And I'm going, wow, this is a man that told me, no, Pastor, I, I don't know if I can get in front of people and talk. I didn't know if we were going to set him up this morning. <laughs> and I did, yes. And I did not want to quench the spirit because he says something so important to us this morning. And I was wondering if the Holy Ghost had him looking at me while I was in prayer to the Lord this morning, in the early hours of the morning. Because that's exactly, Brother Amelia, what the Spirit of God was showing me. <laughs> and if you notice the message today, the text in which it's coming from, it's going to be everything about Jesus. It's about God the Father inserting himself in the human race, in a creation that he brought forth from nothing. And this morning as I was in prayer looking at that, that God took and spoke. And when God spoke, things came into existence. And it was out of that existence that God took dirt and made you and me and breathe the breath of life into us. Why wouldn't he want to redeem us? When we came out of him, the life, the dirt was nothing without his spirit. Amen? But when his spirit came forth, wow, life began with man. And I tell you, Israel did not realize the, the beauty of the power and presence of God among them in Jesus. That had to be something. I was thinking, Lord, I look at the fact how you blessed Moses to go up on the mountain and to be in your presence. That must have been something. But what was greater is when the people laid eyes on Jesus. They got the chance to, as we're going to see this morning from the word of God, they got a chance to look at him. They got a chance to listen to him and they got a chance to touch him. And you're going, how in the world is all of this possible? But we're going to see this morning what gift God, in fact, did give the world. I want you to understand something today, church. We're not going to be the same this year. God got a work for us to do, and that work begins today. The directors will begin their work this week in bringing into the house of the Lord new souls. It's a new beginning of the harvest for us. The Lord has already told us to go after this lost harvest. Don't worry about what they're going to say to you. 
worry about being obedient and allow the spirit. You're going to watch God work in front of you. As people yield to the spirit of God and come into the kingdom of God by the son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what you're going to experience. That's what you're going to witness. And you're going to watch those people go out and bring other people in. And before you know it, we're not going to have standing room because people genuinely are hungry for the word of God when they receive the word of God, not watered down. When the spirit of God is at work, we will see great exploits, the Bible said. What does that mean? That means you and I get to do things that we have never done before in our lives. On our own, it's no way in which we could do these things. You're going to speak and you're going to watch things in the spirit world materialize. What does that mean by that? You're going to watch God work miracles. You're going to watch God do signs and wonders right in front of you. And you're going to say, Jesus, look at you at work. And you're going to be so amazed and so excited if you're like me, you fumble over your words at times when you try to tell somebody. And they look at you like, what's wrong with him? But they got to know what's going on on the inside of you. As we get ready to go before the Lord in prayer, I want to give you a little backdrop about what's going on. Where are we going today? And John chapter 1, and we're not just going to look at John chapter 1, we're going over in 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to go in the book of Numbers for a little bit. And I don't know, I told my wife it'll be a short sermon today because it's, going, it's, it's New Year's Day, but I can't cut God short like that. I am not in control. God is in control. Yeah. Amen. And I, I'm here to tell you, please listen carefully, young and older. Listen carefully this morning. The man in which we're going to be used as a point man to bring us the word of God is John himself. Let me tell you what just happened as we look at it from a bird's eye view during the time of John. The church is experiencing worldwide persecution. They've gone after the church. Nero and, and those subsequent emperors and not only that, the leaders of Israel, in fact, the leaders of Israel now are running. And so things are not popular for this thing called the way, the church. This new name up on the earth called Christians, okay? Things are not well. Some are being killed. Some are being tortured. And they're actually in hiding, Deacon Clinton, they're hiding. Well, here's what's going on in heaven. An old preacher named John is standing before God and the Lamb. And he's watching what is about to take place in the future. God has given him a motion picture of the future of mankind. God has shown him two spears that are at work, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And you will see the angels of God through John's eyes working on the behalf of God and Jesus, their commander in chief. And there are going to be things that happen that no man is able to stop. 
John is seeing this and he's writing it down as God is dictating it to him. As Jesus is telling him every word to write and he put it in a book and we call it Revelation. So now that Revelation has been written, John is now back on the earth. Things aren't any better on earth. In fact, things are worse, everybody. He just come from the greatest trip of all. He just come from God and Lord Jesus. He's back on earth and he's about to write the last gospel of the Bible. The Gospel of John. His contemporaries, the other apostles, are all dead. John is the last living apostle. Even Apostle Paul is dead. He died some years earlier. Him and Peter relatively close together in AD 65. Both died horrific deaths. John is the last original apostle on earth. Do y'all hear me? He had been walking with Lord Jesus since he was a teenager. It is estimated he's in his 80s, late early 80s, or maybe early 90s. He's an old man now. He knows what God has done. He has seen it. He has witnessed it. He has felt it in his body. He has seen the supernatural at work. He's felt the presence of the Spirit of God like he's never felt before. He's seen things that he had never seen before. He watched a man wearing camel hair preaching and saying being baptized for the remission of sin because the kingdom of God is at hand. He watched people mock that funny looking man in the Jordan River called John the Baptist. He watched that man baptize the son of God and he heard the voice of God from heaven as God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He heard John the Baptist say to the crowd as he pointed out to the son of God and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John witnessed that. John witnessed Jesus calling every apostle. He witnessed that. He watched Jesus go into the temple and cleanse it. He watched Jesus perform his first miracle on earth by turning water into wine at a wedding. Then he watched one of the greatest miracles he had ever seen in his life. On the way from that wedding, he watched a funeral procession take place and Jesus walked up to the coffin of the dead man and he says to the young man that was dead, he said, I say to you, arise young man. And the dead man got up. John, when is that? And then John goes on and he's about to write a letter to the followers of Jesus Christ upon the earth known as the church because things are not good for the church things are not popular for the church 
And John is about to pen a letter to let the children of God in Christ Jesus know in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Come on. It doesn't matter how bad things are. Jesus Christ is God. And he is in control. That's what he's telling them. And he's telling them to hold on in the opening part of this book, the prelude, that getting the people ready. He said, now Jesus, a man just like me and you, but yet not a man. He is God in the flesh. Watch him move. Watch his kingdom come in. Watch this extraordinary man who Israel rejected. Watch him do things that you have never seen him do before. Put your trust in him. And John said, I testify because I know that he's true. I know that he's the son of God. I know because we have heard him, we have seen him, and we have handled him for ourselves. And we know that he's eternal life that came down from the father. Interesting point. A wicked prophet by the name of Baal many hundreds of years earlier before Israel became a nation before they occupied the promised land a king over Moab hired this false prophet to go out and curse the children of Israel because he had heard about what God had did with the Egyptians. He had heard what God had done with the other couple of nations that had came against Israel. And so the king of Moab said, go out and curse them. And evidently this, this, this false prophet, this prophet of Satan, whenever he cursed people, it happened. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I want to read this statement to you. Listen to what happened with this false prophet. When God's in control, you better know that it's going to go God's way. Amen? You better know that no matter what the enemy sends at you, he cannot stop the work of God in you. He cannot stop the plan of God in your life. Israel was destined to enter the promised land as the people of God and this false prophet could not stop them. Right. Listen. In Numbers chapter 23 it begins. In verse 19 I want to point out something to you. This is the false prophet speaking when the spirit of God gets on him changes his tongue from a tongue of cursing to a tongue of blessings. Chapter 23, verse 19. Listen to the word of God. God is not a man. I want you to look at that for a moment. Just the first phrase of that. God is not 
Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, meaning the Word is not a man. Did y'all see the connection? Where this false prophet is speaking, God is not a man. That he should, what? Lie. Everything that come out of God's mouth is truth. John will write, as we will see here in a moment, that this one that is now on the earth is full of grace and truth. Listen to what the false prophet said nearly 1,500 years earlier. So God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man. Otherwise, he's not from the human race. Jesus, though born of Mary, is not from the human race. He was not conceived by the seed of a man. He was conceived by the seed of God. Spirit. That he should what? Repent. In other words, God don't make mistakes. God doesn't have to change his mind. God doesn't have to go back and undo uh, mistakes and, and, and sin. That's not him. Listen what else he says. Has he said and will he not do? The prophet here is saying, God said something. And God is going to do it. When God speaks, you better believe it, that God's going to bring it to pass. He's going to perform his word, Mr. David. You can take it to the bank. You can bank on it. That when God said it, when it's in his word, you and I can take it and put it in our hearts and know that God's going to bring it to pass. Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Folks, I may tell you something. And I may not be able to fulfill it. You may be able to tell me something. Sammy, I I'll be there and we'll do this and that. But something may come up and you may not be able to perform that. But God through Jesus performed every word that he said he was going to perform. Every word. I'm doing this to get your hearts ready for the rest of the message today from God. Behold, I receive a command to bless. Did you hear that? Now he was sent by the king of Moab to curse. Now this prophet saying, I have received a command to what? Bless. And when Jesus in the first sermon, known the Sermon on the Mount, he came out with a series of blessings known as the Beatitudes. Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if you go through that, there's a whole host of them. Blessings rather than curses. Amen? Amen. Then he said, he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Let me tell you something. When God sent Jesus into the world, God did not turn him back. He said, come on back up here, son. Forget about them. No. He said the greatest blessing there is upon the earth 
He sent his son, Jesus. He didn't take him back. And guess what? When God says something, as the psalmist would later write into the future, he said, God, he said, oh Lord, your word is forever settled in heaven. Meaning, it's a done deal. There's no reversing it. People, hell is coming on the earth and we're going to start experiencing it this year. It's going to be worldwide persecution. I want to tell you, what the UN did with Israel is just the beginning of what Bible prophecy talks about. The book of Ezekiel and the book of Daniel both said there's going to be another temple. Folks, the UN just told the Jews that they have no rights to the Temple Mount. Do you know what that's going to do? Folks, Israel is not going to put up with that foolishness. And if they have to stand alone, they will stand alone. Because they know who has given them that land. God made a promise to these people who this prophet is talking to now that he will give that land to them. And God did. God promised that he would send a deliverer. And God did. God promised he would send a king. Listen to the rest of this and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Please understand what's happening today right now. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. Folks, that is Jesus Christ wiping out all sin among everybody who believe in him. We're going to see that today, not only in the nation of Israel, but among the Gentile nations. Jesus Christ, by his death, burial, and resurrection, the shedding of his blood, has wiped out all sin. And the shout of a king is among them. Look at that. The word king is in capital. Jesus Christ is the king of Israel. Jesus Christ is the king of all the earth. And so, if you will pray with me, the Lord God is about to do great exploits among his people. Jesus Christ has made sure that we are the people of God. We are going to do those great exploits for the glory of our God and for our Lord Jesus Christ. If you look in your bulletin, the title for today's message is God and Lord Jesus. There's nothing more can be added. And I want you to fix your hearts on them. And I want you to pray also, Emma, in Arve. I want you to pray in Zora and Matthew and every other young person that's here. Hear my words. I want you to pray this prayer. Young people are being deceived by the millions in this country. And these false places of worship, they're being deceived to run to these buildings that have fancy programs and stuff and saying that's what church is all about. No, that is not what church is all about. Church is about loving God 
and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you come together. That's why we meet in the name of Jesus. Because when all that stuff is said and done, what do you have left? You all may not think that anything goes on here with you because you look around you and you don't have the fancy gadgets of the big churches and you don't go on all the fancy trips and all the fancy camps and things. Let me tell you something, you got something more valuable than anything that those things can give you. You get the word of God that leads you to the son of God who lives in you. Amen. Right here. There's nothing that can compare to God as God told the prophet Isaiah to write to the nation of Israel, he says, whom will you compare me with? Whom? He even told Job, y'all know that book, the better old man? He said, where is my equal that I may repay him? He said, everything under heaven is mine. Wow. So, you're getting the greatest thing there is, and it's not wrapped in bells and whistles and not making a whole lot of noise. I know I talk loud, but what you're getting from the Spirit of God is the most beautiful thing there is, the most richest thing there is. You're getting Jesus, the Son of the living God, and there's no comparison with Him. So, pray that your friends will go seeking Jesus and not church. Jesus never told us to come and do church. He told us to come and love his father and him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Thank you, dear Lord, for being our God. Thank you for sending your blessed son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful things you've done by bringing your son Jesus here. Jesus, we love you. Every one of these children here can say that they love you and they've been taught about you. And they know that God is your father and they love God with all their heart, with all their soul and with all their mind and with all their strength. And that's what we want for the world, Lord. We want other men, women, and boys and girls to love you, Heavenly Father, and your Son, Jesus, as well. We're asking now, as your Spirit unfold this message for us, speak to our hearts, Lord. Speak for your children are listening. And we're asking you, dear God, have your way. Have your way in our midst as we exalt the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the reason why we exist today. You are the reason why we're in this place gathered in your name because we love you. And Lord, we love you because God first loved us and sent you to us. And we're asking now, Father, that you watch over your people Israel. Bless them, Lord. And we know that they're not standing alone because you're standing with them. And your church, your true church, is praying for them. We love Israel because you come forth from them, Jesus. And we thank you for that. We ask now, Lord, that you have mercy upon these United States. Lord, do not hold your people here accountable for the mistakes of the leaders. 
Lord, allow the leaders to stand alone in judgment, those who have done this wicked thing. And we're asking you, Jesus, to have mercy upon them. Help them to repent of their sins. And dear God, by your Holy Spirit, have every man, woman, and boy and girl proclaim the name of Jesus and shout it from the rooftop that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we're going to drop on down as we continue as John opens up this letter to the church that's under great persecution. As he's back from heaven and he's writing the last gospel message. All the other books of the Bible has been, have been written. This gospel is the last one. And it's going to draw us closer to the heart of God in Christ than we ever been before. In this particular gospel, John is about to show us things about Jesus that the other apostles did not show people in their writings. Jesus is the Son of God, and he's going to show you and I his human side, and that human side is God himself on earth. And that he understands every heartache. He understands every difficulty. He understands every hardship. Why? Because he is a man also. Did y'all get that? And what he's doing is he is sending out a word to the human race that God loves us. And that God is going to pick from among the human race those who are willing to come to Christ and make them his own children. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't. So let's take a look at what's going on as John writes this last gospel message to the church. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Otherwise, Jesus Christ is the author, the designer, and the engineer and builder of creation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the one who created all things. Amen? Amen. There's no doubt about that. John has just told the church. One, one of the biggest revelation knowledge it has just ever received. Jesus Christ is the creator God. You got that. And it goes on and says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. People cannot have life without Jesus. Contrary to the popular belief that's out there, Jesus Christ even give atheists their lives. Amen. Amen. Whether they want to believe it or not, Jesus Christ created them. Had it not been for the Son of God, no life will exist on this planet. Amen. Amen? That's what John is saying. And this is huge. And he's telling those church folks, the followers of Christ, when he made that statement, Hold on, because the giver of life has your life. Amen? And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I mean, even though Jesus came, 
and the evilness of this world, the wickedness of this world, from the prince of darkness, tried to overcome Jesus. He could not stamp him out. He could not defeat Jesus. We've seen his attempt on the cross. Amen? Amen. But yet on the third day, what happened? He rose from the dead and sings, Whoa, what's going on here? He could not stop the prince of life from coming forth. You can't take life from the originator of life. Amen? Amen? How can you stomp out his life? That was a man sent from God whose name was John. And now John is going to distinguish this John from himself. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. Now, I... <laughs> The human race is a very weird species. If people don't look like us and smell like us and walk like us and talk like us, we don't want to have anything to do with them. Amen? But John the Baptist did not look like his contemporaries. In fact, he didn't look like any Jew. He was a man raised in the wilderness of Judea, and he wore camel hair. Anybody ever seen a camel? Yeah. Just imagine he's wearing that camel coat <laughs> with a leather belt wrapped around him and ate wild locusts. He was not part of the main populace, Emma. And when he came, he came with the message of God. And guess what? Him and Jesus are just six months apart in age. They are both 30 years old. And John went before Jesus preaching the kingdom message that Jesus was on his way. That's what he was sent for. John was born for that purpose and that purpose alone was to be the witness of Jesus. And it says in the book of Isaiah, one crying in the wilderness, make way, what scrape for the Lord. John the Baptist. That was the sole purpose of being born by God, to be the lead man to announce the coming of Jesus. And that's something. And yet, he didn't come with fancy robes and clothes on, okay? He came looking like him. <laughs> he came looking like you, okay? He came looking like somebody that nobody thought he should look like. Amen? And you know what? Them strange people came to that strange man because they were strange to him. He was not part of them. And he was down there in the Jordan River baptizing people. You'll get a little bit more of the account in Matthew chapter 3. Go there and, and examine the details a little bit carefully of his ministry, his preaching, his sermon there. And people came out of the woodworks. And let me tell you how wise God is about this thing, everybody. And I know today is New Year's Day. and You're smelling your black eyed peas and all that other stuff. Let me tell you. Let me tell you how good God is with this. The area in which John was baptizing was somewhere near Jericho. And right near Jericho was an international highway called the Transjordanian International Highway. And it brought people up out of Egypt through Israel to Syria. And they can go into other parts of Mesopotamia. So, and that road 
led right on up through Jericho, right on up to the metropolis called Jerusalem. So God had put John at a crossroad, baptizing. So he had some traffic, okay? He had some people in which he can shout at and give the message of God to. Amen? Amen. And you and you see, it's so clever that God had him dressed funny because people going to look at a funny dressed person. Amen? Amen. And they're going to look and they saw this funny man standing in the Jordan River and they're going, what in the world is that? Who's that? And what is he doing? And for a Jew, his message was to what? To repent. And telling the Jew they need to repent, and they, that got their ear go, wait a minute. Anyway, this man, John, is now talking about Jesus. And John is telling us about him. That's what this little portion here is. And if you read a little bit further in this, in this particular context, you, you, you understand. And so he's talking about Jesus in verse 8. John said he was not that light, meaning he's not Jesus, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Another way of saying that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, will give eternal life to every person coming into the world. Amen? Amen. And John knew this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Another way to say it also is that he was in the world, and the world was made by him. All right? Stay with me. And the world did not know him. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem 30 years earlier, do you think the world knew him? And for the next 30 years, God concealed his true identity from the world. Amen? Amen. And all Herod knew earlier that he was what? Born king of the Jews. Jews. He didn't know that this is, in fact, the son of God. And then God sent him on down to Egypt. He lived in Egypt for a period of time. And they didn't know who he was. All they knew is was a Jewish family came out of Israel, escaping the bad tyranny of King Herod. So they didn't know who this child was. He was just another child running around playing with other children. Amen? And then when his parents moved north, when God told him it's okay to go back home, instead of stopping in Bethlehem, they went on north to Nazareth. And when they got to Nazareth Hill, and there, the children of that village still did not know who this small boy was. And growing up in Nazareth as a carpenter's son, they still did not know who this boy was. The only two people on earth at this time knew his true identity or who. Who were they? Mary and Joseph, they knew that this child <clears throat> is the son of God. And what you don't know is that everywhere Jesus went, a band of angels went with him. You understand me? God was not about to allow Satan to get a hold of his son. You got to see this thing bigger. And boys, watch what John says. 
So he went to his own. Now he's talking about the word own there. These are the Jewish people. Jesus is now ready to make himself known to the Jewish people. So he went to them. John is kind of, he's looking back and he's telling the story of something already had happened. You understand that, right? Many years have gone by. John is looking back now and he's saying that he went to our people, Israel. And they did what? What it said? They did not receive him. In other words, they didn't want anything to do with him. Okay? They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Not all of them, though, but majority of them didn't. They were influenced by the religious leaders. And so, what was God doing while all this was happening? He was still carrying out his plan. Hallelujah. He was still carrying out his plan. He didn't allow, did not allow foolishness to stop his plan from going forth. Remember what the false prophet had said? There's a king coming. Amen. And if you read further in the book of Numbers, that same false prophet would give you more information about Jesus. He said, I see a star arising out of Israel. He said, he's not near. He's afar off. But he's coming. That's another way of saying that the Messiah is on his what? Way. way. And that Messiah is the one who John is now writing about. Jesus has been gone back to God somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe about 50 years now, John, uh, Clinton. Maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. We don't know the exact time in there. But we believe somewhere around 50, 55 years, maybe 60 years, Jesus is back home with the Father. A lot of work has taken place on earth in the kingdom of God, isn't it? <coughs> a lot of folks' names have been written on the scroll in heaven because of the faithfulness of the apostles out there carrying the gospel message to a world that did not know Jesus. Beginning first in Israel. The Lord Jesus Christ first on the night, day in which the Holy Ghost came to town got 120 people. Did he not? The day was called the day of Pentecost. Oh, excuse me. And so, listen to this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Can you see Mr. David, John, looking back now throughout the age of the decades in which he's been doing ministry for Jesus, can you see him now saying, as many of all those people that Jesus went to, as many as received him, chose to follow Jesus, of all of those who have chosen to follow Jesus all of their lives, he did something extraordinary with them. He did not allow their decision to follow him to be in vain. In other words, they did not make a mistake by choosing the Son of God. Isn't that awesome? And not only for them, of his day and those who have died and gone to heaven, he's also talking about those in the future. 
That means those between him and us and us now and those of tomorrow until Jesus returns. Here's what John said by the Holy Spirit in verse 12. Verse 12 is so powerful and you got to get this because it's all about God and his son Jesus. You have to remember this. You don't exist without God and Jesus. The church is nothing without God and Jesus. No sermon should ever be without God and Jesus. No sermon should ever be about the writings of men. It should always be about the writings of God and God alone. Amen. But as many as received him, children, you have received Jesus in your heart. Here's what Jesus has to say for you through John's writing. To them, in other words, to you, to you and me and every other person who have received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. Because you got to understand, if you break this down and look at it, when Jesus came to this world, there was nothing but sinners on this world, including his mama and his earthly father. That's right. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's our Amen, little sister. And so when Jesus came at the drawing of God's spirit, he pulled sinners. He invited sinners to come to Jesus. God did. And every one of them that heard God speaking to them from the gospel of Jesus Christ and made the decision to come to Christ, it is at that moment that Jesus gave them the right to become children of God, sons and daughters of God, his father. Let me tell you why this is so important for you to get right now. And I know today we want to get home. I want to get home just like everybody else, but please get this. Jesus Christ is not from this world. He's not from this universe. He's not from a universe, period. Where he's from is completely outside of creation. He's directly from God. And he came down here at God's command. And he chose people for himself. He gave them the most beautiful life-given message that any human can ever have. He brought the message of God and said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John would later write that in that same book. And here, Jesus have just said, I'm going to remove you from being an earthly family, earthly children, to being heavenly family, God's children. Look at Revelation chapter 21, and it will tell you that God said that all those who have received him, he, God himself, said that there will be no more crying, that God will wipe away their tears. There will be no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more death. 
He said, for the former things have passed away and all things have become new. And God said, they will be my people and I will be their God. And in chapter 22, the last book of the Bible, and it says that God will place his seal upon their heads and they will see God face to face and not die. Oh, they, they missed it, Deke. That was huge. Jesus made that possible. Sitting in the temple in heaven is God and Jesus as the river of life flows out and the children of God are in the courtyard and walking along the river of life with the Holy Spirit and both are saying, come and drink. Read Revelation chapter 22. Both says, drink freely from the river of life. The river of life comes from God and Jesus. That same John wrote that. He witnessed it in heaven. It hadn't happened yet, but God showed him the future. It's going to happen. So you think maybe this man have a lot to say? Then he gives us something that no other men knew. Listen at verse 13. Who were what born? Excuse me, let me finish that to those who believe in his name. There's not enough to believe that God exists, folks. It's not enough to believe that Jesus exists. The word believe there means that you must place your faith in the name of Jesus. And when we say there's power in the name of Jesus, that's exactly what we mean. And that is exactly what it is. There is power in the name of Jesus. Because when we invoke his name, guess what? He puts action to it. He puts power to it. Because it's him. Amen? Amen. So we believe in him. Jesus, oh yeah, I know him. That's my Lord. Oh yeah, I know him. That's God's son. You betcha I know him. Yeah, I live for him. I put my trust in him. Yes, I, everything in my life is all because of him. My going out, my coming in, my laying down, my getting up, my eating, my drinking, my sleeping, my driving, my work, my children, my wife, my husband, you name it. All is Jesus. When I'm sick, I get well because of Jesus. When I'm hungry, I'm fed because of Jesus. Everything is all about Jesus. Amen. That's what he's telling us. When you place your faith in him, our security, our protection, everything is all about Jesus. It comes forth from him. Our trust is 100% in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in doctors, not in lawyers, not in grocery store owners or farmers or any other person that do wonderful things for the, the light company to give us power to, you know, the, 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 the heat our homes and cook with and stuff. No, 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 no. Our trust is not in those people. It's good to know those people. It's good to have access to those things. But Jesus is the one that make it possible. Even that yellow Mustang, Mr. Dave, like Jesus was the one created the material in which it was made from. Amen. Amen. Jesus was the one gave man the intellect to even make that thing. And even Mr. David to do his thing with it. <laughs> Amen. Even our relationship with one another. Jesus was the one gave me the heart to love that woman back there. Almost 40 years ago, I fell in love with her and still mad in love with her. And she has to know that even today, that I haven't stopped loving her. And I still get goosebumps up my back. Amen? Jesus. 
Now, I want you to look at verse 13. Who were born not of blood. Okay? Number one, Jesus didn't come from human blood. In other words, that's transfer of the man's seed to the woman. We were not born into the kingdom of God like that. Okay? Then he goes on to say, nor of the will of the flesh. Once again, human cravings, this fleshly body going, I want to have a baby. No, it didn't come like that. <coughs> Amen. Matthew called it. It did not come like that. Nor of the will of man. Okay, Mr. Dave, you don't get to decide to be God's children. Okay, you had nothing to do with this. None of us. Look what he wrote. But what? Of God. That means God and God alone made the decision that you and I would belong to Jesus. That you and I would receive Jesus. For, for a moment here, before we get ready to go to the other passage, then we'll go home uh, after communion. Listen to this. The name Jesus. The name Jesus. Get this deep in your heart and wake Arve up. I'm going to call him out. He's going to be on the podcast with a head scratched all the way back. The pastor called him out in church. Listen. Understand this. This is the most powerful message that you can hear because it's all about Jesus. Jesus' name means God saves. His name is Yeshua or Joshua. The salvation of God. It don't only just mean save us from our sins. It means Yahshua, save me from myself. Yahshua, save me. Don't let me starve from hunger. Uh, Yahshua, save me from the mouth of the lion. Okay? If you read in Hebrew, there are a lot of times when they say, and he saved them, the word there is Yahshua. They know that, did you, Mr. Dave? I didn't either until not so long ago in the studying I've done. And so Jesus is our salvation all around. First beginning with God and then with the things on earth that we need. Jesus is everything we need. Everything. So when we say Jesus, it encompasses everything. Our creation, he created us. Our salvation, he saved us from our sins. And he gives us our daily, daily need of food, water, and shelter and clothing. And he saves us from sickness and diseases, shall it? In other words, he heals us. He saves us from foreign armies. He's our protector. David says, David called God a battle axe. Hello, the battle axe. They also said God is a man of war. In other words, don't you get in his path. That's right. Amen? Amen. All right. The last thing we'll cover here is over in 1 John. I want to show you it's very poetic, very powerful word as we get ready to close this out. I want you to understand this. Okay? Understand 1 John as we look at it. As we get ready. It's not a very long passage. One. First John, not John one. First John. Out the second Peter. Good, good, good for you. First John one. 
Okay. That which was from the beginning, which we have what? Heard. Remember John opened the gospel of John with what phrase, Emma? How is the gospel of John, how does it begin? Okay, mama answer for you. In the beginning. Moses began the book of Genesis, how? In the beginning. So in other words, John is reminding us that all things begin with what? With Christ. Okay? In the beginning, okay? Look at it go. That which was from the beginning, which we have what? Heard the gospel. He said, we have heard the word of God from who? Say that which we have heard, which we have what? What happened next? See. What we have seen. In other words, we also looked at him. Not only did we hear him, but we seen him. And then what, Miss Vicky? We, he said, we seen him with our what? Eyes. With our eyes. And then what? Which we have looked upon. Which we looked upon. So we took time and we, we looked at him. Then what? Our hands touched him. Our hands touched him. Our, uh, uh, we have handled him. In other words, he's not a figure of our imagination. He is a real person that came down from where? From heaven. Look, look, Emma. Here is the evidence. And our hands have handled concerning the word of life. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John said, we have handled him. <clears throat> the life was manifested, meaning that it wasn't just the word that you was hearing. God made it a living reality. And we have seen and bear witness. Other words, we have seen Jesus. And another word to say witness is what? What's another word for witness? A witness does what? Testify. Say it again. Testify. testify. It's the same Greek word. Witness and testify is the same Greek word. So John said, we can testify and we have testified that this is the Son of God. Remember in the first in the Gospel of John, he says that. And we bear witness. We saw him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, man, you cannot argue with a person that said, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you have heard. I've seen it for myself. Ask my kids how many times they heard that from my wife. So don't go try to pull a fast one on me, she tell them. <laughs> I've seen it for myself. I know what you've done. And so John is saying it's about Jesus. He's telling the world. John is saying, I have seen Jesus with my own eyes. I have heard him with my own ears. And I have touched him with my own hands. And I know who he is. You got that kind of testimony about Jesus today? Can you give that kind of testimony? No, because we weren't here during that time. But spiritually, by faith, we what? We can. Amen. Because we believe the word of God. 
And as he goes on, he says, so we can testify or bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I'm going to switch positions here real quick. Thank you, Dee. You can still sit there for a moment. Everybody, listen to me carefully. Jesus Christ is God's Son. Jesus Christ is the reason that this man wrote this glorious book called the Gospel of John. And all these subsequent letters were all written by the apostles and the disciples of Jesus Christ. Luke, the physician, is dead. John Mark, that wrote the Gospel of Mark, is dead. Matthew, the tax collector, is dead. The Apostle Paul is dead. All the writers of the New Testament are now dead. They died horrible deaths. This man is the last living eyewitness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to know the truth. There is no salvation in the ways of other religions. I don't care how good they sound. I don't care how much we try to argue religious equality among the nations. There's still but one God. There's still but one Savior, the man Christ Jesus, God's only begotten Son, the only way to the Father. So I want you to know this truth in this new year. The first day of the new year happened to be our day of worship. That's why I wanted to do communion with you. The first Sunday of the new year. You had it the last Sunday of the last year. But that's not why I did it. But I want you to draw close to Jesus. That the Son of God loves you. And he wants you in his kingdom with his Father, Almighty God. The Son is that nice. And that kind to do that for us, that loving. Can you imagine what his father's like? Because he said his father's greater than him. My God got to be something, didn't he? Mm-hmm. If the son is this good, can you imagine what we get from the father? But the son told us, he said, I'm just like him. 
<laughs> I'm just like him. So, remember, when you get tired, and you don't want to listen anymore to the Word of God, that night when they arrested Jesus, they didn't let him sleep all night long. They took him from house to house and they beat him. They refused them drink. They refused him food. They stripped his robe off of him. They beat him horribly. They spit in his face. They slapped him. The Bible said they even plucked out his beard. I imagine that's very painful. Uh, I've seen people where they had hair snatched out of them and pulled chunks of flesh with it. When you pull more than, you know, you get a large chunk of that. <laughs> but this is what that represent that night. The next day when he was tied to that Roman stake and beaten. You should never get tired of hearing this because it wasn't you or me tied to that state. It wasn't that Roman whip that landed on our backs. Y'all scared to get whipping by your mama and your daddy. Can you imagine somebody tying you to a stake? I know I was scared to death of my mama. She used to plant three switches and tear our butt up and she used to make me take, take my clothes off. But can you imagine with hundreds of people watching and they strip you of your garments and beat you publicly like that? That was Jesus. And then turn around after you're half dead, make you carry a cross up a, a rugged hill. It was tough pulling that cross, that big old weighted beam up that hill. And then lay down, tell you lay down. In fact, they didn't give you the pleasure of laying down, did they, Mr. Dave? They knocked him down. And then they were spitting on him while he was down and kicking him. Can't forget, children. Please don't let this story get, get old to you. Keep it fresh right here with meaning, with purpose. Jesus is the meaning and purpose of this story for you, for me, because it's life everlasting. He is God's life everlasting to us. That's what John said. We have a whole book of his life story here on earth. His ministry. What he did for you and me. So on the night which the Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, twelve Jewish men are listening 
to the story. They're listening to it. Everybody. They knew that Jesus was their Messiah, the Holy One of God, sent by God. But they didn't know in a matter of a short while, he will be cursed. Like that false prophet that went to curse the nation of Israel and God didn't let it happen. So wonderful that God by Jesus did not allow us to be cursed either. Amen? Why? Because Jesus Jesus became a curse for us. In the book of Deuteronomy, it tells you and I, curse is everyone that hangs on a tree. So here's what the Lord Jesus Christ did that night. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it. Let's bless it. Father, we thank you for this bread that represents the body of your son, Jesus, that was broken for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he took it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for this cup that represent the blood of your son, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins. We love you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. And he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Please drink. So that night, they went out to the Mount of Olives. On their way there, to that park, they sang songs. While it was out there, that's when the father allowed the enemy to come and get his son. Deacons, will you close us out in prayer, please? Everybody bow your head, please. Father, we thank you for this new year that you have brought us into. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Um, 
please stay with each one of us throughout this year. Um, please help us to stay focused on you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 And to our friends around the world, we'd like to thank them for listening in today. And we ask that you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. If you need prayer, though we're maybe thousands of miles from you, you can call us at Erico 386-454-7594. You can also follow us on Facebook, Witnesses of Christ Ministry. And you can even email us at wcmhighsprings at gmail.com. And you can send your letters to us, and we'll be glad to pray for you at 18583. That is 18583 High Springs Main Street, High Springs, Florida, 32643. God bless you.